Sometimes I wonder, if like, what I believe is actually true. Will God really send someone to hell forever? What does the Bible really say about tithing? God wants you to send me a thousand dollars right now. Can I be gay and still love Jesus? Dare to ask questions. Dare to have doubts. Search out the truth for yourself. Why can't you just fall in line? This is the Controversial Christianity Podcast with Eric Powell. Several years ago, when I was a young green youth pastor who still thought I could storm the gates of hell all by myself, I put together a stage production that was literally meant to scare, quote unquote, the hell out of anyone who watched. There were live action scenes depicting a teenage suicide and the subsequent arrival into hell, complete with demons, fire, special effects, and even Satan himself. We played audio and video clips of people who'd had near-death experiences, and all of this was designed to scare someone bad enough that they'd turn from their wicked ways and run into the arms of Jesus. And trust me, it worked. It got so popular that I was even invited by other churches to come put on the production for their congregations. And in the years that followed, I always looked back on that production, which I aptly titled The Reality of Hell as one of the greatest ministry tools that God had ever allowed me to be a part of. I kept it humble, as you can see. But something you'll probably hear me say over and over as we get into more episodes of the podcast is the phrase, but then I grew up. Looking back at my younger days in ministry, I realize now that there were a lot of things I probably should have done differently And the reality of hell is more than likely one of those things, and here's why. While my intentions were good, I was trying to lead people to Jesus after all. Trying to do so by using a crippling fear of hell was probably not the best way to accomplish that. Now, I know that there are some churches that do hell houses around Halloween to scare people out of hell. And even back in the 18th century, British theologian and minister Jonathan Edwards used this scare tactic in his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But the question I have to ask myself is this, can devotion based on fear of repercussion truly constitute real love? In other words, can I really say that I love God and want to follow him if I'm only doing it to receive my get out of hell free card? Do I love God by my own choice and personal devotion, or am I only doing it because I know that if I don't, he'll send me to hell for all eternity? If you've ever seen the Eddie Murphy movie Norbit, you may already know what I'm talking about. When Norbit is a kid, he meets this big girl named Respucia, who has three huge muscle-bound older brothers. And when they become adults and get married, Norbit is terrified to leave Respucia because of what she and her brothers will do to him if he tries. His love for her is never real. And when his childhood sweetheart comes back to town, Norbit realizes that Respucia never had his heart and he finally leaves her. And this is the same picture I get of people 
who are scared into a relationship with God. They devote themselves to Him for the wrong reasons, and sometimes, dare I say most times, it never lasts. This is why sometimes you see the same people repeatedly in the altar at church giving their heart to Jesus again nearly every Sunday morning. Their commitment to God is displaced because their motives are displaced. Devotion to God has to be true. We have to be truthful with God and truthful with ourselves. We cannot base our love and commitment to God on fear, even fear of going to hell, because that kind of false devotion, which is built on wrong motives, will fall flat every time. But on today's show, I want to talk about hell, and I want to ask a very loaded question that I'm not sure we'll answer, but we're going to try. Will a loving God really send someone to hell? In order to deal with this on today's episode, we're going to look at some popularly held beliefs about hell. We'll look at what the Bible says about hell, and we'll even play an audio clip of a man named Bill Weiss, who claims to have gone to hell and come back to tell about it. So keep it right here and take this journey with me today to hell and back. So I think the first question we have to ask before we can go any further is, does hell exist? Is there such a place in the spiritual realm with literal fire filled with multiplied millions of lost souls that have died without God and been burning there for hundreds or thousands of years? And if you were to die today without having a relationship with Jesus, would you be sentenced to burn forever in an endless punishment of the most agonizing pain of which you can never escape? I know the most commonly held belief among evangelical Christians is that, yes, if you die without Jesus taking away your sins, you will be sent to a literal burning hell forever. However, there are other interpretations about hell, such as annihilationism, which states that hell is not forever. You are sent there to be punished, your soul burns up, and then you die a second death and everything goes black. You just cease to exist at all like a dead dog on the side of the highway. Or here's another ideology about hell that's popular in some fringe Christian circles, universalism, which basically states that no one goes to hell because in his divine love and infinite mercy, God would never send someone to hell because how do you reconcile the idea of a loving God with a God who would unjustly send someone to a fiery torment that will never end, which is at the heart of our episode today. If God is loving, if he is just, how could he sentence someone to such a horrific, never-ending punishment? I mean, as the old saying goes, the numbers just don't add up, do they? This problem with hell has been a hot issue of debate for centuries, and there are people who stand on both sides of the argument. In fact, there is a pretty interesting Wikipedia article on the subject that I'd like to share a portion of with you now. It says, the problem of hell is an ethical problem in religion in which the existence of hell 
for the punishment of souls is regarded as inconsistent with the notion of a just, moral, and omnibenevolent God. It derives from four key positions, that hell exists, that it is for the punishment of people whose lives on earth are judged to have sinned against God, that some people go there, and there is no escape. In Christianity, hell has traditionally been regarded as a place of punishment for wrongdoing or sin in the mortal life as a manifestation of divine justice. Nonetheless, the extreme severity and infinite duration of the punishment might be seen as incompatible with justice. However, hell is not seen as strictly a matter of justice even by the more traditionalist churches. For example, the Eastern Orthodox see it as a condition brought about by and the natural consequence of free rejection of God's love. Some opponents of the traditional doctrine of hell claim that the punishment is disproportionate to any crimes that could be committed because human beings have a finite lifespan, they can only commit a finite number of sins, yet hell is an infinite punishment. Philosopher Immanuel Kant argued in 1793 in Religions Within the Bounds of Bare Reason that since mortality lies ultimately in a person's disposition, and as disposition is concerned with the adoption of universal principles, every human being is guilty of, in one sense, an infinite amount of violations of the law, and so consequently, an infinite punishment is not unjustified. Another issue is the problem of harmonizing the existence of hell with God's infinite mercy or omnibenevolence which is found in scriptures. Some modern critics of the doctrine of hell claim that even if hell is seen as a choice rather than as punishment, it would be unreasonable for God to give such flawed and ignorant creatures as ourselves the responsibility of our eternal destinies. So, let me ask you a question. Which side of the argument do you stand on? Do you believe that God is too loving and just to send anyone to hell at all, and that in the end we just all go to heaven? After all, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 verses 3 through 4, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, as Pastor Rob Bell asks in his controversial book, Love Wins, does God get what God wants? Does everyone get into heaven and escape hell because God wants all people to be saved? Or do we have to look just a couple of lines down the verses 4 and 5 which state, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Which then ties into what is arguably the most popular and well-known verse of Scripture, John 3.16, which states that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So is there not a choice to be made? Believe in Jesus or perish? An idea that plays very well with yet another very popular passage of scripture found in Romans chapter three, verses 23, 24, and 26. Let me read it to you from the God's words translation for clarity's sake. It says, 
Because all people have sinned, they have fallen short of God's glory. They receive God's approval freely by an act of His kindness through the price Christ Jesus paid to set us free from sin. He waited so that He could display His approval at the present time. This shows that He is a God of justice, a God who approves of people who believe in Jesus. So what do you believe about hell? Is it a choice? Or do we all get in no matter what because God desires for everyone to be saved? Or do you even believe in hell at all? In our next segment, we're going to hear the testimony of Bill Weiss, a man who claims to have literally gone to hell and lived to tell about it. Also, I'm going to share my personal opinion about hell, and you can take it for what you think it's worth. And lastly, we'll attempt to at least somewhat answer the question, will a loving God really send someone to hell? The Controversial Christianity Podcast will return right after this. Don't go away. Did you know the Controversial Christianity Podcast also has a Facebook fan page? We share funny and inspirational memes to get you through your day, free promotions, and news updates on what's happening with the podcast. To find our Facebook page, go to your Facebook app on your computer or mobile device and search Controversial Christianity Podcast in the search bar. We hope to see you there soon. Pastor and husband Steve Kelly lives a fulfilling but routine existence. Most of his time is consumed with the operations of his thousand-member church. But a stranger who comes into his life one evening, threatens to undo Steve's familiar routine forever, and send him on an adventure he'll never forget. From heaven to hell, and from the creation to the crucifixion, Leviathan takes Steve on a journey. Asking him to do something that not only seems impossible, it may just cost him everything he has. I want you to get me back into heaven. Regretful Devil, the supernatural thriller novel from Eric Powell, available at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, and online retailers worldwide, or read for free at www.wattpad.com or on your Wattpad app. Get your copy today. You're listening to the Controversial Christianity Podcast with Eric Powell. And now, back to today's program. Bill Weiss is the founder of Soul Choice Ministries in California. In 1998, Bill claims that God gave him an out-of-body experience slash vision in which he was shown and experienced the horrors of hell itself. He even came back to write a best-selling memoir about his harrowing encounter called 23 Minutes in Hell, where according to the description on his website, Bill experienced the searing flames of hell, total isolation, a putrid, breathtaking stench, deafening screams of agony, and terrorizing demons. So I'm going to play a clip for you of Bill sharing his testimony, and I'll let you be the judge. On November 23rd, 1998, I had an experience that truly changed my life. 
Now, it doesn't matter if you believe my experience. What matters is that you check out what the Word of God has to say about hell and avoid it just the same. This was actually an out-of-body experience that would be classified as a vision in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 12:2, Paul, when he was caught up into heaven in a vision, he said whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord showed me that I left my body. Now, my wife and I had attended a prayer meeting every Sunday night. We came home from this prayer meeting, went to bed like any other normal night. Now, I had never studied the topic of hell at this point. I have never gone to dark movies. I've never drank, I've never taken drugs, and I never had a vision before. And I got up at three o'clock in the morning just to get a glass of water, and suddenly I was pulled out of my body, like being drawn up out of your body. And I found myself falling through the air down this long tunnel, and it was getting hotter and hotter. And then I landed on a stone floor in an actual prison cell in hell. Rough-hewn stone walls, bars, filthy, stinking, dirty prison cell, but like a dungeon. And I wondered, how did I get here? Why am I here? I was fully awake and cognizant. I looked up and I saw these two enormous beasts in the cell, these demons, reptilish in appearance, bumps and scales all over the one's body huge jaw, sunken in eyes, claws about a foot long, and they were pacing in this cell like a vicious, caged animal. And they had the most ferocious demeanor about them. They had an extreme hatred for God. They were blaspheming and cursing God. And then they had this hatred they directed towards me. The one picked me up, threw me into the wall of this prison cell. I hit the wall. I felt like bones had broken. Even though a spirit doesn't have bones, it felt that way. I collapsed on the floor, and I wondered how could it be alive through this? The other demon picked me up, dug his claws in my chest, and just tore the flesh open. I couldn't believe I was surviving this. How could I be alive through this? I noticed I had a body. Remember Luke 16, he wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He had a mouth to speak and so forth. But this body withstands the torments. And I noticed though, there was no blood or water coming from the wounds. But Leviticus 17:11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And there's not one drop of water in hell. And these demons have no mercy over you whatsoever. They have an extreme hatred for you. Now about this time it went dark. I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see. But then he withdrew his light and it resumed its normal state of absolute pitch black darkness. I mean, you could not see the hand in front of your face. While I was taken out of this prison cell, I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire that was actually about a mile across with flames raging high up in this open cavern. And this is where I could first see people. There were thousands of people inside this pit screaming and burning. It was so horrendous to see a person on fire. They just looked like skeletons. And the screams were so loud and deafening. You want to get away from the screams, but you can't. Now, I understood I was down deep in the earth. I descended to get there. I ascended when I left. And I understood there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment, but there is no tolerable, comfortable level in hell. Any area is far worse than you can imagine. I wanted to talk to a person, but you're kept isolated and alone for all eternity. You never, ever get to be with people. For all eternity, you're kept by yourself. You know, I thought about my wife up on the earth, and I understood I'll never get to say goodbye to her. You don't realize how tormenting of a thought that is. You know, I'll never get to be with my wife, enjoy her, hold her, and uh, to not have any finality with your loved ones is extremely tormenting that for all eternity, she'll never know that I still exist, that I'm down deep in the earth. You know, death does not mean cease to exist. Death means separation from God.
you still exist. And I just missed her so much, I wanted to be with her so much. And the stench in hell is so foul and putrid, the worst, like the worst open sewer you can ever imagine. And the demons themselves have a disgusting foul odor to them and the smell of burning sulfur. So you have to fight for even the tiniest bit of oxygen. You're, you don't ever get to go to sleep. You're completely exhausted and you never, ever get to go to sleep. You're hungry, you never get to eat. You're thirsty. Remember the rich man in Luke 16 wanted one drop of water to cool his tongue. Well, you never get that drop of water. The fear level that you experience in hell is so far beyond anything you can imagine. And I know something about fear. I was attacked by a 10-foot tiger shark pulled down under the water. Well, that fear that I felt at that moment paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. I saw maggots crawling all over everything and snakes, demons that were only two and three feet tall, uh, some were larger, twisted, deformed, grotesque. When I was looking at all this horror, something began lifting me up this dark tunnel. And then suddenly this bright light appeared. I knew immediately who it was. And I just called out his name. I said, Jesus. He said, I am. When he said that, I went out. I passed out and I don't know if I died, but he touched me when I came to, it was at his feet that I realized that if he wouldn't have gone to the cross, I would be in that place for all eternity. Man, I was so grateful for the cross. I just want to thank him over and over and over. I didn't want to ask him any questions, but thoughts started coming to my mind and he would answer my thoughts. And there was eight different things that he answered for me, but I'm just going to share two of them with you. One is I thought, Lord, why did you send me to this horrible place? He said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. The second thing was uh, the hopelessness. You see, God blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. He hid that fact from me. Many scriptures in the Bible that point that out, but he hid it from me for this reason. You see, if I was there as a Christian, which I was, but I didn't realize, I would have known, praise God, he's getting me out of here. But as an unsaved person, he wanted me to experience what they feel hopelessness and you don't know what it's like to be absolutely hopeless for all eternity you understand you're never ever going to get out of this place there's not going to be anybody come rescue you you'll never get out that's the worst part of hell understanding you're never going to get out you know the most important aspect of this vision that Jesus shared with me was a piece of his heart he allowed me to feel a little bit of what he feels the anguish he feels for a soul going into hell, the great love he has for people. It was so overwhelming, I couldn't even bear to stand to feel even a piece of it. But Ephesians 3.19 said, his love passes knowledge. But the reason hell is so horrible is because it's a place absent from God's goodness and his attributes. You know, all good comes from God, James 1.17 states. And he withdrew his goodness because it was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for man. But if man rejects Jesus, there is no other place for him to go. Please hear me. You do not want to experience hell for even one minute, much less than an eternity. But one second after you die, it'll be too late. You will not get a second chance. Because God loves us, he gives us a free will to choose. Please investigate the scriptures for yourself so you can find the truth and avoid this place at all costs. So, what do you think? 
is the guy for real? Or is he simply looking to cash in on people's fears? There are longer, more detailed videos of Bill's experience on YouTube, or you can visit him online at www.soulchoiceministries.org if you want to look into his encounter further. But all of this today may lead you to be curious and ask me, Eric, what do you believe about hell? And before I answer that question, let me get a little disclaimer out of the way. I personally have struggled with the whole idea of hell. I was brought up to believe in hell and to steer clear of hell, to put my trust in Jesus so I didn't have to worry about going to hell. But even as a kid, I struggled with it. When I was around 12 years old, one of my friend's dad passed away. And though he was a good man by the world standards, he was not a professing Christian as far as I knew. So if everything I had been taught was correct, this man was now burning in hell forever and he would never escape. I remember standing there at the graveside with his family as the preacher was giving a final prayer to close the memorial service. And I'm thinking, he's in hell. He's burning there right now. And no matter how much time passes, you'll never stop burning. And even as I got older and I became an adult and grew in knowledge of God's word and preached sermons and did stage productions about hell and warned people of the dangers of hell, still in the back of my mind, there was always a part of me somewhere deep inside that was and still is bothered by the idea of hell. To my mind, to my own reasoning, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But here's where I'm at with it. If I believe the Bible is God's word, then I have to believe all of it. Even the parts that in my finite human understanding, I can't come to grips with it. Jesus talked about and warned people about hell frequently. Quite honestly, he talked about hell more than he did heaven. And if I believe that Jesus is the perfect son of God, I have to believe that he was speaking the truth. Everything he said, even the things that are hard for me to wrap my mind around. Jesus said it was real. Jesus said there was pain. Jesus said it was eternal. And so I have no choice but to believe what Jesus said if I want to call myself a Christian, a Christ follower, I can't just follow the parts of his teachings that I personally agree with or find the most tasteful. I have to follow all of it. So that brings us back to our main question. Will a loving God really send someone to hell? If you believe Jesus and if you believe the Bible, then the answer just about has to be yes, doesn't it? In fact, Jesus talks about this very explicitly in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we force out demons and do many miracles by the power and the authority of your name? And Jesus says, I will tell them publicly, I've never known you. Get away from me, you evil people. 
But this brings us to one final question. Why? Why would God sentence someone to a place like hell? What justice is there in that degree of punishment? Does the severity of the punishment justify the moral trespass? And since God is so loving and so long-suffering, how does he even allow someone to go to hell? And the only answer I have for you is that I can't answer these questions for you at all. The only resolve I have, the only way I can personally have peace with this discussion is found in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, where God tells us through the prophet, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I have to understand that no matter how much I try to study this, no matter how hard I try to convince myself of my own personal convictions about heaven and hell and God or my relationship with Jesus, I will never be able to understand things the way that God does. I am not able to mentally process the ways of God. Is God justified in sending someone to hell forever? I have to believe that He is. Why? Because I believe that God is perfect and that He never fails. And if His way is to send someone who is lost without Jesus to hell, if that is the punishment that He chooses, of all the questions I could have about God, I have to understand and accept that some of my questions may never get answered. And at the end of the day, I have to be okay with that. Maybe God didn't program us to be able to understand His ways in their entirety. Maybe we're not meant to figure out all there is to know about God. And you know what? That's okay. Because it's in those moments of confusion, those times that we feel left in the dark, that we have the opportunity to prove our dependence upon God. And that, my friends, is what we call faith. today's controversial Christianity podcast. If you'd like to connect further, please find us on Facebook and Instagram at Controversial Christianity. If you have questions or comments, please drop us a line at ccpodcastonline at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, God bless.